You're listening to the Audacious Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at our Chester campus. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. It's great to be here. And uh, those of you who not met before, my name's Stuart. It says it on the screen. And um, I am one of the pastors for Audacious Church. I'm kind of the pastor without portfolio. Nobody knows what I do. I just turn up different places. And, uh, and it's all good. It's all good. Uh, really good to be with you. We, we're in a series. We're talking about rest. Uh, and we felt coming into, you know, the summer months, just to get into our heads, um, that rest is not an escape from work or Okay, it's just me. Because sometimes it feels like that's how we pitch it. You ever had the conversation that goes like this? I'm just hanging on for my holidays. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if you're, if you're, a, if you're a parent, you're just hanging on for back to school. I get that, right? Um, but you just, I'm just hanging on for my holidays. Or I'm hanging on for the weekend. If I can just get to Friday, it'll be okay. Or you get that person in work who talks about Wednesday as it's all downhill from here. You know, if we can get to Wednesday, it's all right, because after that, we're heading for the weekend. And there's something that we make rest as in a moment where you step out of your life in order to get ready to get back into your life. I want to suggest to you, what if we could build our lives in such a way that we didn't need a break from them? Okay, I thought it was better than that. I honestly did. I thought that whole idea, what if you could have a life you actually really enjoyed and you didn't want a holiday from, and a holiday just was a change of space, not necessarily a change of the style of your life. I, I think that's worth thinking about. Uh, let's read a bit of Bible because you, you, might, you might enjoy that more. All right, Exodus 35, we're going to read verse 2, maybe in a verse 3. It goes like this. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day must be a Sabbath day of complete rest, a holy day dedicated to the Lord. Anyone who works on that day must be put to death. And that's serious, isn't it? I mean, you know, you know, you're taking, you know, you're taking your day off seriously. If you're an Old Testament Israelite, what are you doing on your day off? Nothing. I'm doing nothing. Why? I don't want to die. All right. It's interesting though. It's 18 times this passage or a wording very like it is in the first five books of the Bible. 18 times. This means God puts a day off and not taking it on the same level as murder and adultery. What are you going to do today? Kill someone. We never can contemplate that. One day a week, murder. Just going to work my way through my day. God puts it on that level. Matthew 11, moving into the New Testament. Come to me, Jesus says, all you are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Have you ever had a day out with someone and or you've done something with someone doing what they like to do to rest? And you discover that what they like to do to rest and what you like to do to rest are two very different things. 
right? My brother, and my brother's, uh, my brother's a policeman, and on his days off, he likes to go either hill walking or mountain biking. That's like, that's what he wants to do. That's his day off. Just go. He's out. He's out early in the morning and he's gone. And he'll say, what are you doing on your day off this week? And I'll be thinking, Lord, help me. May our days off not align. And God's been very gracious to me this year. Um, or like my wife, so I, I said to Julie, I said, hey, babe, you know, let's do something. Let's do something you're going to love. Let's, so I took her to the ballet. Right, I took her to the ballet and it, it was three hours, the ballet. Number one, I did not know that before I went. <laughs> right, and, and number two, nobody spoke. I ain't got a clue what was going on. Like there's a story in this somewhere. And so we watched this ballet and, and, uh, and, she, and Julie's had a few moments in it where she's had a little cry and she's gone, this is beautiful. And I've said, no, you're beautiful. And um, thank you. And, um, and, and, and we're kind of, and she's gone out and then she's, she's tweeted and she's Instagram. She's told the world, Stuart told me the ballet, it was amazing. And my mates are texting me going, you all right? I'm going, no, man, I'm done. Honestly, that was the toughest evening of my life. Because what one person likes to do to rest is not necessarily the same for someone else. We want to get really practical today. We want to talk to each of us about understanding if we don't find the space of rest and how to rest, actually it becomes very difficult to do life well. God wants you to rest. Rest, real rest, will make you happier, healthier and more effective in living for God. So when we go, I skip that, what we actually say is, God, I don't trust you to look after my interests because I'm going to work an extra day even though you told me not to. Because I'm going to take the responsibility of provision onto me, not onto you. I'm going to say me working on this is going to be more effective than me resting and trusting you to work on it. Now, we would never have that conversation with God. That's not a prayer. You wake up in the morning, you say, Lord, today I want you to know I am not going to trust you. Instead, I am going to trust myself. No one would pray that prayer, yet when we don't take one day in the week, to rest from our work, we're actually making that declaration to the Lord. Five lessons on rest. Are you ready? Number one, real rest is extraordinary. Real rest is extraordinary. In Exodus 35 verse 2, we just read it. It says, um, the rest from your ordinary work. There's two parts to our lives. There is our ordinary work and then there's the extraordinary of our lives. And when we let our, extraordinary, our ordinary work stretch into the extraordinary time, we are missing out on the extraordinary that God has for us. Genesis chapter 2.15 says this, The Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it, which tells us this, Perfection contains work. So work is not something we do. 
as in humanity on earth that one day will stop when we get to heaven, work is in perfection. So if work is in perfection and rest is in perfection, that means there's jobs in heaven. Now, I have spent my entire life work-wise as a pastor. I have no transferable skills when it comes to heaven. Like, let me talk to you about Jesus. Oh, there he is. Mm. Uh, let me explain the Bible to you. Oh, there's Jesus. Right, forget it. Forget it, forget it. Let me tell you about Moses. He's having a coffee over there. Right, so there's, there's all of that. And you think to yourself, well, what does this mean, Lord? What does it mean that actually work is created? That's why I'm telling you, we shouldn't be trying to escape from our lives. If work is part of the plan of God that doesn't end at death, but actually comes more alive in heaven, we shouldn't be trying to escape the life we have because we hate our work. Can I just say to you, if you hate your work, why don't you consider change? Because I don't believe for a minute it, that it is God's will for you to hate that amount of your life. I just don't believe that. I don't believe in a loving God who wants you to go through life going, just get me to the weekend. So what if God has something more for you than you're wrestling with now? In the Genesis account of creation, we know that on the sixth day, God created man. And on the seventh day, what did God do? He, very good, uh, he rested. So what did man do on his first day? Day six, man is created. Day one of man's life, he rests. God's first thing that he brought Adam to was a day off. Like that is the first thing he did. You know, you've been created. You wake up. God says, just have a sleep. He gets up in the morning. He says, God, what are we doing today? Nothing. We're resting. Because... And, and here, this is, this for me was the most revelatory thing in understanding this. We don't rest from work. We rest to work. So Adam has his day off, rest, and then the next thing he does is work. We go, I'm working, and then I'm going to rest. So the whole point of rest is to prepare you for the work that God has for you. So we're not resting because it's a, it's a chance to have a break. We're resting because it's a chance to recuperate so that we're ready for what God has in front of us, not going away from what God had behind us. I'm not escaping my past by having a rest. I'm preparing for my future by having a rest. That word complete that's in the New Living Translation we just read in verse 2 of Exodus 35, that word is not in the NIV. The word in the NIV is the word Sabbath. So it is so taken, the idea of the Sabbath, that this is how you can translate that word. Cease, stop, be absent, end, perish, rest, die. That's pretty strong, isn't it? You know, what are you going to do? Today, I'm mostly dying. Tomorrow, I will resurrect. That's the weight of the language that this word Sabbath has. 
If this is so powerful, it's no wonder it gets contested in your life. Because do you ever find your rest gets contested? Something comes along and invades the day and what you were going to do with it. Something comes along. Something comes along in the form of, you know, a child or a parent, depending which scale you're on, where you are in life. Something comes along in the form of a text or an email or a message or a DM or a something that arrives in this invasive technology that breaks into our rest because we think we should be available all the time. Because we've become conditioned to the bing or the buzz of your phone that makes us want to do what it asks us to do rather than do what we set out to do. Those things that, that they call them, you know, they're, they're little announcements, notifications, they're great news. They are interruptions to your life. Sometimes what we've got to do is silence the notifications so that we can do what we set out to do. Sometimes we've got to put them aside and say, I'm stopping giving you permission, breaking into my life because rest is about finding space. It's about creating space in your life in order to do what refreshes you. And if you don't create the space to do it, you won't be refreshed. But there are space invaders. They turn up unannounced and unexpected and they crash into your life and they're not all external. You've been having a day off and then a thought starts and that thought of something that's very real dominates that day off. Anybody else? Just me? Yeah, okay, we get it. That, that, that happens in our lives. So what do we do with those things? How do we make sure that our rest is not hijacked by our brains? Because we do. We hijack our rest with the current challenge that we're facing that might be in work or might be out of work. We, we hijack our rest thinking about tomorrow and all that's going to go on, or something that's months away, and we worry and fear about, how do we deal with that? For those who don't know, my wife is a therapist. Um, that means a number of things. It means every now and again, I've got to go and talk to somebody else. It also means it's, it's, it's reasonably difficult to lie to her, not that I do, um, unless I'm trying to buy her something, or buy me something. Um, but, I said to her, I said, babe, what's one of the skills that you teach people in order to deal with those invaders in your mind? She says, oh, this is what we do. Write a list of everything you're worried about. Just write, and write the full list. Everything you're worried about. Absolutely everything. And then once you've written the list, you split it into two columns. Column num I told you to be practical. This. Column number one. Things I can do something about. Column number two, things I can't do anything about. And then you ask yourself this question about the things you can do something about. Can I do it today? Is it worth doing it today? And the column, things I can't do anything about, I'm giving that to God. I can't do anything about it. This, this is beyond me. Cost of living crisis. I, I can't get those bills down myself. I don't have the ability. Even Martin Lewis is struggling. Yeah. 
right? If that's the case, I got to go, God, as I'm watching my fuel bill go up, I'm going, this is on you. As I'm watching one of my kids go through a challenge, I'm going, I can't do anything about that. This is on you. But I can do something about this. These things. Should I do something with them today? Is that the best use of my day? We've got to address the issues in practical ways. Philippians tells us this, and, and this tool is how you do what Philippians tells us. Do not worry about anything. How do you not worry? You separate them out and you go, God, if this is yours, then we're going to do this. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he has done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. Listen, we've got to pray about the things we can't control. And we've got to pray about the things we can control. The things we can't control, we're saying, God, can you control that? And the things we, can't, we can control, we're saying, God, can you empower me by your Holy Spirit to do this well? God is interested in our anxious moments, but we've got to bring them to him. Real rest, number three, is a commitment. It is a commitment. You have got to commit to resting. Not casually commitment. You know, when someone says, you're going to come out, you go, oh, let's see. We all know let's see means no. <laughs> it's a real commitment. And if you aren't committed to doing what it takes to recharge your life, then you'll end up overdrawn. Emotionally overdrawn, physically overdrawn, and rest becomes an intervention, not a rhythm. Uh, one of my friends has just had a nervous breakdown. It's pretty hard, actually. It's hard to watch and it's, it's hard to be around because uh, it's a friend and I didn't know they were there. They now need six months off. So I asked the questions. Have you been taking your day off? No. Have you been on holiday in the last two years? And we all know COVID, right? No, because of COVID. Yeah, well, I managed it. Who are you talking? Have you, are you dealing with these anxious thoughts? No. We have got to understand that this is a real world problem, not a thought process that we deal with outside of our lives. We have got to make a commitment to recharging ourselves on a weekly basis so that we can function to the full in our lives. None of us don't plug in our phones just hoping it'll keep going forever. Yet we don't unplug our lives so that we can be recharged in the way we need to be. There's a great moment in 1 Kings. I think it's one of my favorite. It's one of those verses of the Bible you think, Lord, if you could speak to me like that, that'd be brilliant. 1 Kings chapter 19, the prophet Elijah's in crisis. He's in serious crisis. He's run away. He's in hiding. And um, he's got to the point where he's just done. He's done to the point. He says, Lord, just, just, if I could just die, that'd be great. You're pretty done when that's your best prayer. And then the Bible tells us this, that God sends an angel to him and he does two things. 
He gives him something to eat and lets him have a sleep. It's genius. Before God says anything to him, he's got to get him back to a place where he can receive what God wants to say to him. So he, he, he eats something, he goes to sleep, and when he wakes up, the angel makes him eat again. I'm like, Lord, you never speak to me like that. <laughs> He's in such a place that what he needed was food and a nap. Listen, sometimes we just got to go, I just got to step out. I got to eat a great meal. I got to have a little bit of a sleep in the day. Some of you have never done it. It's a beautiful thing. But we've got to make a commitment to our rest. Number four, real rest happens in rhythm. It happens in a rhythm. Because where you live is more powerful than where you visit. So if rest is somewhere you visit once a year or twice a year for a holiday then it's, that's not rest. That's just a change of scenery. So you've got to find a way to create a rhythm in your life. You've got to take the time to work out what's the right rhythm for you. What's the right day? What's the right space? What are the things that I should do on that day that help me to rest, that switch me off, that allow me to recharge? Otherwise, you get your day filled with other people's priorities this is interesting this we were talking to one of our gp friends in church her name's joyce and and we said to joyce joyce talk to us about rest and she says if you don't learn to rest and think sleep is the place of rest you don't actually rest hang on you're telling me my sleep is not my rest she said that's absolutely correct physiologically they do two different things to your body you've got to rest so you can sleep well anybody ever had that you can't sleep because you couldn't rest and then it becomes a cycle we have got to find the way to rest when we're awake so we can sleep when we're asleep Number five, real, re I gotta go quick because of time. Real rest is rewarding. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, lamentations tell us. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. God is infinite. He's infinite. He, his mercies are always there. They're always working. They're always fresh. They're always available, but we are finite. We run out. And we run down. And we have got to make sure that in terms of our willpower, in terms of our pitch, in terms of our faith, we have got to take space so that we can rest. Rest, it reduces your stress levels. It reduces your blood pressure. If you've got type 2 diabetes, rest is one of the best ways to manage your diabetes. Rest eliminates stress. Listen, hear this. If you're trying to lose weight and you're stressed about it, you can't lose weight because you create all the hormones in your body through stress that stop you losing weight. And if you're trying to sleep and you get stressed about sleeping, 
Ever laid in bed trying to sleep, telling yourself it's ridiculous you're not asleep? That kicks in everything that stops you from going to sleep. Rest is a superpower that enables you to live your life well. We think the superpower is to just keep going and going and going and going. But it's not. Rest is the space that allows you to do it. But rest is not inactive. Rest is not nothing. Ecclesiastes 10.10 says this, A dull axe requires great strength. Be wise and sharpen the blade. If you're trying to use an axe and you don't, it eventually becomes blunt the more you use it. It's not using it and sharpening it that allows it to be effective. Your life, if you just keep going and going and going and going, eventually becomes blunt and ineffective. You've got to take a step back, sharpen your life through rest, then you become effective again. How do we rest? Let me go real practical. I got five minutes and 16 seconds, 14 seconds. Here we go. Number one, commit to the principle of Sabbath. One day, 24 hours in the week, where you are not rushing around the whole time, trying to get in every job you've not had the time to get in in the week. A day that you can call your own. If you're part of living in a household, family space, then you've got to understand that's a conversation. You have to work out how it works. But if you've not had the conversation, what happens is we do what someone wants to do. And that creates resentment. So we've got to step back and we've got to go, no, we're going to have a conversation, work out. So we, Julie and I, we have a conversation that goes like this. It's our day off. And I say, babe, what are your expectations of this day? And Julie will have a list because she's have a mental list that then becomes a written list. Those lists terrify me. And she'll go, I'm expecting this, this, and I'll, and I'll go, okay, this and this, that's fine. I cannot do this, 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 and this. Then we have to negotiate. And once we've agreed it, we both have a great day off. But if we don't work it out, it becomes a challenge. We say to the kids, hey, we're having a day off. One, Ethan, have you taken the car for the whole day? Or can your mum actually see her own car at some point? No, I'm taking a car. Okay, so we've got to work that out. Fine. All right, you know, we talked to our, our middle one, Grace. Grace, are you working today? Are you not working today? What are you doing? What are you doing? Who's in for tea? Because if none are in, we might go to a restaurant. But if you're all in, I'm not taking you to a restaurant. <laughs> We're negotiating what works to work out how to rest. Number two, commit to the principle of Sabbath. Number two, do things you enjoy. Like, do you actually know what helps you to rest? Is it reading a book? Is it seeing people? Is it not seeing people? Is it exercise? Is it not exercise? You have got to know what brings you joy. Like seriously, what do you do that you go, I have loved today? You've got to know what brings you peace. 
Uh, Julie's a real people person and she loves having people round to the house, which is great. And I'm, I'm good for that. But I, need a, I have a rhythm where I need a bit of space. So I'll go, that's fine. Number one, how many? She planned this thing the other day. We've moved house recently. And she says, I'm planning the housewarming. I says, great. And she wrote a list of everybody who's coming. And then we added it up. There were 50 children. I said, babe, I like all these people, but it ain't happening. It's just that it's not happening. 50 children. It's just not happening. No, no, no. I might need to lie down in a minute. You've got to find the things you enjoy, like really enjoy doing. And when you know what suits you, that gives you recharge, press into it. And then you've got to use some real techniques to rest. Again, I'm going to give you five simple things. Number one, practice gratitude. Research tells us that positive thinking and saying thank you creates a happy disposition that releases the happy hormones in your brain. Practice gratitude. Some days, just write a list. This is everything I'm thankful for. Some days, tell people, I just I want to say thanks for this, what you do, and, and how you help. And be specific. People are great at being specific in the criticism, lousy at being specific in the gratitude. Be specific. Number two, learn to take deep breaths. This might sound crazy, but every now and again, pause and breathe deeply. Breathe, thank you, that was a lovely symbol at that moment. Breathing deeply shifts the pattern of your brain and it moves it towards a restful position. Just draw something deep and hold and then release it. It changes the rhythm of how you are working. Number three, find those healthy habits like exercise, eating well. Find, um, what these things do is they reduce stress. They change your mood. Number five, four, sorry, is practice relaxing. Practice relaxing. Like, just think about it. I'm just going to switch off for a while. We just got to talk about this stuff. And number five, here's the biggie. Sleep. And, and sleep, seven to eight hours. It's what our bodies are designed for. So every time we steal time back, we're actually making it more difficult for ourselves to live well. So find the space to sleep. Listen, I realize this is not rah, rah, rah preaching, okay? This is the practicalities of living well for God. This is equipping us to be smart in how we are. If you can see that you are resting for work, not from work, if you can recognize what do I need to do to recharge my life? Let me tell you, life will become more full because we rested than it was when we tried to cram everything in. In the same principle that Josh talked about earlier about the tithe, we give God 
and yet God somehow blesses the 90 so it goes above and beyond the 100. We give God one day and God blesses the other days so that his fullness and his weight of blessing is on those days to fulfill what he wants for us, not what we want for us. Rest is crucial. If we can find a way to do it, we find a way to win a life. Thank you for listening to this Audacious podcast. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. We'd love for you to join us at one of our campuses, Manchester, Chester, or online every Sunday, 10 a.m. and 12 p.m.